I guess we'll get started. Yay! So, um, <laughs> hi, I'm Claire, and someone special featured today. You heard her voice before. Do you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> well, hi, I'm Claire. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter, right? I can <laughs> I know, we always yeah. feel so awkward when we do this. I know, I know. It just brings a lot of, brings back a lot of memories from from back in the days when we used to like interview each other. Oh I my god! Know. But do you remember we had like we were at um, I forgot what the building's called, but we had like three. I think tapes. it was Charles. Oh huh? yeah, yeah, Charles Street. <laughs> yes, we were just like, no, you start. No, you start. And it was like really awkward. <laughs> and I think we kept pausing the recording and then I think starting over. But we're not going to do that now. We're just going to wing it. No, so. no, we're going to dive right in. But yeah, everyone everyone knows who we are. Like we're both on the team, blah, blah. So yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad that uh, you were down to do this because I wanted to. No, I'm really, it. I'm really grateful because I mean, you and Sabrina have been keeping up the beauty series quite well. And um, I think it's just really kind and considerate of you just to give me my own space for it because I've not been able to join or be part of the whole series that properly. So I think that's on you so thank you I mean I mean first of all like you have because you are a part of the team like you Adrian and Sabrina and Sabrina couldn't be here today due to the snow but um I think that's part of like another thing is that um like your situation specifically I feel like we need to have more conversations on it yeah, you know, it is quite important. So that's that's like a little vague, but we'll dive into it. But um, I know about you, but I think it'd be really valuable if you delve more into like how you grew up in your childhood in the light of beauty and love. Um, it's quite complicated in that sense. I mean, it's 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 difficult for an individual, and I think these kind of thoughts. You, they develop around your early, your, your late childhood, your early adolescence, and you start to more think about your outer appearance and how you want to look. And I felt like it was always very difficult in school because in 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 the early two thousands in in a rural German city where you're basically the the only brown person or only person of color in general um it's very difficult to make even like the choices about clothing um i i, I consider myself as um um working class as well and it was it was not very easy in terms of money as well because in germany you don't have school uniforms you wear you wear your clothes that you have basically and um it's very difficult when um when your peers basically when when they wear all those branded clothes and you just and it was it was always in that sense it was always a struggle because you want to fit in as a as a young person you want to you want to be popular you want but I was never that kind of person I was always like the loner and just be by myself um so in that sense beauty and how I wanted to look was always like a struggle it was always like oh I want to fit in I want to not look stupid and um previous experiences I would not wear any traditional clothing to school because I had like when I was in primary I was like always mocked at if I like why did I come in pajamas and stuff like that oh, so kid. it was always like it was 
it was always like a bit of a trauma in my brain. It's like, don't wear anything that has slightly to do with anything traditional, oh. which changed over the time. I yeah. mean, when you when you try to find yourself, you get more confident in wearing the things you want to wear. But in terms of love, it was always very difficult because culturally I was um I was brought up in a way that love um of course in terms of what I don't know what kind of perspective of love we're talking about in in sense of partner or whatever. I don't know. Well actually Sorry to interrupt. It's interesting you brought bring that up because um, you know, when we when we've done Beauty and Love, like the first two group recordings so far, like you've talked about it in terms of like um self-care or like romantic love, as you suggested. But then the last two conversations we've had so far with Natalie and Sadie, they brought up like family love. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So in in terms of family love, if we start about that, it's always been a bit I think with South South Asian families, particularly Pakistani families, love is like, it's like, it's expressed in a very different way. It's it's more like, oh, I'm caring for you or I'm providing for you. That means I love you. They mm-hmm. don't have to show you love or they don't have to hug you or kiss you. Whereas like, I always felt like they, my parents don't love me because mm-hmm. they don't give me a hug or they don't give me a kiss. But um, as we grew up, because in their understanding, it meant that they were, um, that they were, I don't know. Um, I don't know the word for it in English. Uh, um, what is it in German? They were basically, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, okay. <laughs> uh, they were basically spoiling us there it is so they will oh. make they, they, they were, I, I think they felt that if you show too much like open love that it makes your child go I don't know bad I don't know I, I don't know if that makes sense or no not bad yeah. but like um no, I, yeah, I, basically I know spoiled. So that's, I think that was the kind of thinking that they were probably brought up with, whereas I felt always deprived of the love. But then later on, I understood and I kind of was able to um, understand, understand their perspective and where they were coming from and the ways that they showed their love. For me, I later understood that their love for us was that big that they left their home country for us, for us to provide provide us with a secure future to to save us from religious persecution that my parents had in Pakistan um and um I mean that was their statement of love basically they didn't need to hug or kiss me to tell me that they loved me um so yeah but that was always a struggle in that sense and then in sense of romantic love I think I was I was brought up in the way that it's not very open to talk about that. It's always a bit of a taboo topic. Mm-hmm. And um, it culturally and even religiously, it was more like it's better that you don't um, engage in any kind of romantic love. It's better that you wait and then you get into something more serious, um, mm-hmm. which would then end up being in a real real relationship a proper yeah. relationship mm-hmm. so um that was always a struggle because I think in seventh eighth grade everyone would have a boyfriend a girlfriend and it's like <laughs> yeah. okay um yeah. Sarah's is always like the conservative kind of person you can't really talk to her she she's always like very 
uptight or whatever um so it, it was always very difficult it's always like this clash of different thoughts of western thought of um i don't know and i always felt like i didn't fit in both sides i didn't want a boyfriend and i didn't want i didn't want anyone proposing any people to me via i don't know pictures or whatever so yeah, i found right, my right. way through it somehow mm -hmm. and i chose bits and bobs from both sides <laughs> um, so, yeah. and that's how i ended up marrying my husband because i it was it was a love marriage uh, and it, it's very unusual in in my circumstances or in my cultural background that it would end up being a love marriage is more likely to be an arranged marriage or someone arranged marriage not in a arranged marriage is unequal to forced marriage of course that's that's not the same thing it's basically yeah. like if if it was for instance um i don't know a dating agency is suggesting you someone basically my dating agency would have been my parents they would have suggested <laughs> someone and I would have basically <laughs> told them okay I like this guy I don't like this guy this kind yeah. of sense but right, um, right. I mean I met I met my I'm not telling my love story here okay so I'm just <laughs> gonna tell <laughs> uh, but um I I met my husband at uh, a family's place and we just chatted and we liked each other so we um uh, ended up asking our parents and they got involved as well so that that's how I'm saying I kind of got myself bits and bobs from both sides of who I was of right, both right. my identities and then uh, they were happy we were happy and then I know it's a bit more complicated but I'm not going into that so um <laughs> Yeah, they got engaged. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. we didn't really talk much about this, did we? But we got engaged. We were engaged for quite a long time. And then, um, yeah, we got married quite young because I wanted to move here to, yeah. to be with him because he lived here in England. No, I, I, lived in Germany. So, I was yeah. saying that when we first met, I think we literally, you told me this in detail. And then I told you about how I got married. So I do, I, I do remember Yeah, that. I know. I remember now. Oh my we God, just no delved brain. into this. And because um, we, we had like a few like minutes where we just, we were like, we moved here for our husbands. <laughs> like I we know. moved to the UK. Um, oh which I found oh hilarious. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's honestly, there's so much to, so much to un unpack there. But um, I, I'm sorry, I, will, yeah. I kind of went, I think I kind of went um, straight to, I don't know, you asked me where I grew up and I went like straight to, I don't know, you wanted to ask me so many more questions. I didn't stop talking. <laughs> no, no, no it, all, it all relates. Um, and I think like so I guess you know you you've lived yeah so you live in so you have um Pakistani heritage and backgrounds but you lived in Germany so you have German background yeah, too I was, I, yeah I was even I was even born there so I've never lived in Pakistan I've been to Pakistan like once or twice twice maybe mm. that's pretty much it yeah so yeah, that's yeah. Nice. so but and, and now like you you live um you live in England. So um, how has living in different cultures like shaped your perceptions of beauty 
and are there any lasting perceptions of beauty? I just want to say, I remember last year around this time, we met up in person uh, and we had a conversation about this actually. And you at the time brought up how, if you remember this, like beauty is internal for you. Yeah. I, yeah, so yeah, I wonder, yeah. is that still the same? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's something that I wanted to get to in the sense of, you know, when I was talking about clothing uh, and um my um uh, uh i don't know the way i've been brought up was always that i i shouldn't um i shouldn't put myself mm-hmm. to show i don't know I, I shouldn't like show my beauty like that my beauty should be internal so this kind of philosophy that I don't know. I, I I think I was I would think I was told like when I was younger that you're basically like a pearl. Oh, you're okay. beautiful, but that doesn't mean like if you're if you're wearing because I wear a hijab, right? And I started wearing my hijab when I was I think uh, I think I was a youngster, like a, a, a less than like I think fourteen or something like that. Um and. I mean, I had stages and the way I wore it was different. Like I wore it very loose in the beginning. Sometimes I'd take it off. Sometimes I would wear it. And it was my decision. My mom suggested it to me if I wanted to, but she never forced me to wear it. So she, she basically said to me that my hair is my beauty and I shouldn't really show anyone else my beauty, just those whom I want to show it. Um, so, um, it was, it was difficult for me to understand in the beginning, but I kind of, I think children, they, they tend to, they tend to copy the parents in the beginning, but then later yeah. on, they kind of, um, want to understand the different philosophies behind yeah. it. So my mom always said like, women are, are often like judged a lot in this society about how yep. they look. Yeah. How they look, what they put on, how they put their hair, how they put their makeup, how they put their clothes, and and she felt like I she I shouldn't, and particularly particularly my elder sister as well. I didn't really talk much to my mom about this because we were kind of generation generational difference. My my sister was always like my bridge, mm-hmm. um, and um, it was always uh, this. I think they just wanted to protect me from any bad people as to say in the beginning but I think it was more understanding that beauty is internal that I that I should learn not to be judged by someone else just by my outer beauty but also by my inner beauty something like that so it was difficult to understand in the beginning but um I kind of got the hang of it and I think the hijab itself it formed it was not only a symbol of like a religious symbol for me, but it was also a bit of an identity marker almost. It became almost like something that defined where I belonged, not in the sense of space, but more in the sense of my mind of where I I'm getting a bit too philosophical. I'm no, sorry. no, I love it. No, keep going. Um, I think that that the hijab it gave me some sort of it it helped me to 
define myself. It helped me to define who I am. And uh, particularly in terms of beauty, it um, I think it helped me to concentrate on other things. I think my, my, my I mean I am very religious and I am it 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 wasn't that I think when I was 17 18 I I was very religious then I had a bit of a drop then it came back so it was a bit of like fluctuation but um but um that helped me not to be too concerned about always <laughs> or other things um, so, but I was also engaged very early. So, I mean, I was, I was around that age. I was 18 when I got engaged. So, um, and I think everyone in my, in my college was like, oh my God, oh my God, were you, were you forced, uh, were you forced to get oh, married? So you can tell us, you can tell us, you know, we can help you. And I was like, yeah, of course, my savior complex, but, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, it was all right. It was my own decision because I felt like it was something real and I wanted to go for it. Um, but in terms of beauty and internal, I think that kind of helped me to not be too superficial about other people and other things. Mm. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much I don't want to get more <laughs> philosophical on that. No, I mean, honestly, this is this is always like um I don't know. This is always like an interesting topic. And um, I love how we're controlling the narrative this time. You know, it's not like some like analysis written by a Karen, by like, you know, like a white woman. But um, <laughs> just, just two quick things and I'll ask you another question. But number one, you always coordinate your hijabs to your outfits. And I like that. You always, That's I've never seen you know that. Statement. <laughs> that's the thing this is what i meant by identity marker i think it is a religious symbol for me right i'm I'm doing something that is part of my religion but it's also become something part of my identity and it helps me to express myself so that's always like something and i think i think my hijab is almost a bit like the way oh oh, i'm gonna wear my hair today like i don't know in a ponytail (laughs) right so I'm going to be like wearing my hijab in green color because that goes really well with maroon or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, it is kind of that, I don't know, is that a women, woman thing? I can't really, I wouldn't want to generalize anything, but I don't know. Do we like to adorn ourselves? Is that a natural thing? I don't know. It's. it's I think it's a bit of a stigma that it is. But... Um. I mean, parts of what you're saying might be true, but um, I think if so, when we when me and Sabrina um, chatted with uh, Mary, Mary said, "I power dress. I feel good, and I look yeah. good. I can do that. It is like a confidence thing I think too." That, that makes quite quite sense. I think that yeah. that's what I mean by identity. Like when you when you really feel like you can be yourself, you can express yourself. Exactly. You feel good in your skin, but not only in your skin, and also in your clothes. So, I mean, your clothes also say stuff about you, don't they? They say, I don't know. I feel like they 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 speak for you. They speak how you how you are 
taken by someone. And I feel like the hijab, of course, like has different connotations and how people speak to you. I know how it feels, right? But <laughs> I think yeah. I, I think for me, for example, if I use my hijab, for example, in coordination with my clothes and they go really well with my top or with my cardigan, then it says something else as well. I don't know what it is, but I can't really explain that. I didn't, then you made me think, Claire. Yeah, because I don't think there's just one answer, but like for, for you, it's like a combination of like, yeah, you're express you're expressing yourself. And I think in general, like I know you, you're very like put together organized person, which you can see through like your color coordination. <laughs> you know, but oh okay, um, okay. See, see, so I said to you basically, I'm super organized, which is <laughs> never intended bread and bread. <laughs> yeah that's really good I mean it's like yeah you've always like looked put together like I've never seen you with a hijab that didn't match your clothes (laughs) um and uh the other thing that you just reminded me of is um when we were out you would um I don't know if you remember this cashier at the cafe we went to and I just love that because you just told her like oh you look really beautiful tonight she seemed like really taken aback but really pleased and I just love oh, telling yeah. her like, oh, nice. oh yeah you remember that? that was very positive uh, I think I think these kind of small gestures of telling each other how I don't know I think I know what what it was in that moment because I remember that's something that we haven't spoken about that's really important yeah. about um, beauty in the sense of um, being slim and being. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. We did talk I, about that last time. I, oh, you did. But we didn't talk about this right now. That's something yeah. I struggled with a lot because mm. I was always very chubby. Right. Mm. And I was like, I think in this in in Western society specifically, it's always like, oh, you need to be like nice and slim and like tall and very like. Um, um, I don't know. Teat is like a good thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's always um, uh, it's always equivalent in quotation marks uh, to being fit, which is not necessarily the case. But um, that's always something that I struggled with, and that that girl who was mm. behind the counter mm-hmm. was beautiful. But I felt like, I, 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 of course, like that. That's probably my personal assumption of what beauty looks like right she was really sweet and she was she was a little choppy but she was so sweet and she was so nice and she looked so beautiful I don't know why but I felt like she was being so nice and I felt like her inner beauty was showing to me because she was just so kind right and if you can say that to someone when a society keeps telling you you're not beautiful because you're chubby right if someone who doesn't know you says something like that to you, it can do something to you. I feel, mm-hmm. I feel it can, and I, if I, I've had a few of these experiences, and they they lift you up. They make you. They they basically tell you the opposite. They tell you you're beautiful, and you don't have to be slim. You're still beautiful, right? And that's why I said it because I have had similar experiences, like aunties coming to me and telling me oh you look a bit chubby and then like very 
in a very derogative kind of like mean way that I should try and lose some weight because that's not really pretty. So that's that's really mean. That's it really is mean. Like, so oh, yeah, that's why I said it. So during your pregnancy journey, um, what did you learn about beauty and health and what surprised you the most? Um, I think pregnancy is completely different because I think, and I think it also has to do again with age and how mature you are to think about different notions of beauty. I think it, again, coming back to adolescence, that you're like smashed with so many different ideas, whereas later on you kind of find your own path you find um you find your own perception of what actual beauty is for yourself and i think in pregnancy and i specifically think um you you learn that you need to take care of yourself um and beauty i think beauty in terms of pregnancy is quite quite different to the things we talked about before it's more about health I think looking after yourself pampering yourself maybe going for a nice bath or doing something with your friends and um okay I didn't really do much with with my friends but because of COVID but I think that was rather the latter part Uh of the pregnancy um so uh, in that sense, um, I think I got a lot of support from my midwife in that sense that I need to look after myself and I need to put myself first. So when I'm tired, I need to sit down. There's n- there's no dishes that should be more important than my health or no... Um, in that sense, I felt like health was beauty. And um, I think loving yourself, loving yourself first as beauty in the sense, um, yeah, it's a bit difficult. I feel like love and beauty is like, it kind of is opposite, but it's still kind of the same. It's really weird. And um if if I think about more material things, it was, I had to do a lot of changing my wardrobe <laughs> and uh, getting new clothes. So that was very difficult because maternity clothes are very specific. I had to really search for stuff that I would like. And the, the I think the, um, uh, I don't know the English word again. Ah, the... Uh, I don't know the word. Never mind. Uh, what I wanted to say was that um, there, there was not, there were not many options in shops. So in that sense, fashion, if we think about fashion and beauty, it was always very difficult um, to find things that fit. And clothes, I don't know. I, I know we, I don't know, not, not sure if you talk to other people about clothes or um, mm, I think yet. clothes, I feel like for me, when I shop, um, things like, for example, trousers, right? Trousers, they don't fit me. 
because they have a Western size of trousers. And I'm telling you that because I've got a big bottom, okay? And when I go yes. when I go for my size, right? I always have to go for a bigger size, but then I need to wear a belt because otherwise they would slip. It's just really strange because I'm not saying white people don't have a big bottom. I'm not saying that. But <laughs> I'm just saying that I've had this conversation with one of my one of my black colleagues at uni and she said the exact same thing and I was like I thought it was always me Mm. talking about trousers that don't fit me because I always have to wear some sort of like belt or, or because the other size wouldn't fit me the ones that fit me around the waist wouldn't fit me around my bottom yeah, never yeah, mind yeah. that's getting a bit too bizarre but um <laughs> <laughs> in terms of clothing that's always a problem because I like to wear long clothes right mm. and I, I, I'm, I wear modest clothing and in terms of maternity clothes I would still kind of be able to find stuff that was like a, a bit more like a dress and it would have a bit more space around the belly for for the bump um but in terms of um fashion in general it's always a problem anything that is long mostly doesn't have any sleeves and if it has sleeves it is short so you rarely find if it, i'm not necessarily just talking about winter clothes right mm-hmm. um because with in, with winter clothes you would still find like the occasional long dress with arms or sleeves. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm rumbling. But um, that's always been a struggle. Like, clothing is always a struggle. Modest clothing specifically for like hijabis. But I think personally it has become better because I think the more people are at one spot, the more options you find somehow. Mm. So in that sense... Yeah. Coming back to pregnancy, I think that I think we spoke about two. I, I, I personally would have talked about two aspects, health and fashion. But I think for me, it was more about focusing on myself, about personal beauty, about looking after myself. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, which, which makes sense. And I guess on that note, um, how do you feel as a new mom? as a new mother and how do you practice self-care for yourself it's very difficult very difficult you I have to force myself because and I think my body forces me when my body tells me Sarah you're freaking tired just stop right um and um I think birth takes a toll on you it, it sets your body back it's and I, I mean, I'm 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 nine months postpartum, but still, I feel the effects of it. It does something to you. It does something to your bones, your pelvis. It just it you feel not as strong as you were before. So your body is basically keep it keeps telling you you need to rest. You need to, and I think in the beginning I was obsessing about oh I need to take care of my baby. I need to take care of my baby. But now slowly I'm able to let go and say okay he can go to his auntie now he can go to his daddy and uh, they can take care of him and you just switch off your ears even if it's sometimes not possible and go for a nice long bath Mm. um 
So yeah, that's how I do, do it mostly. I force myself. I have to force myself, which is sad. It shouldn't be like that. I should take that time out. And but mostly when baby sleeps, oh, I need to get this done. Oh, I need to do this. I need to do the dishes. I need to cook something quickly. Oh, I want to write something. Oh, I want to check my emails. Blah 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 blah. So what is sad but is unfortunately necessary is that mums, specifically new mums, they put their health and looking after themselves at the bottom of the list, mm -hmm. whereas it should be at the top. But there are so many things that need to be done that she always neglects herself. Mm -hmm. um, I think there needs to be more. I think we need to talk more about the unsaid things that mums do yeah the, the, the norm the normalized oh she's walking down the stairs there are a few toys there there are a few like I don't know whatever and she picks them up and goes down mm. whereas I think I saw this really funny meme I think on Instagram where like there were like lots and lots of things on stairs and the mum would like walk down the stairs and then pick up all those things. And then her husband would walk down the stairs and he would just like tiptoe around the things. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> it's but so I true think, though. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying about the unsaid things, the very yeah. normalized things. Yeah. That comes back to thinking about care and how care is almost, because care is, un, is not paid, it has no... It has no material value. So because it has no material and it has no capital value, it has practically no value. Mm. Uh, does that make sense? So yeah, what I, yeah, I mean, because we live in a capitalist society, and I think I've said this so many times, that anything that cannot be measured by men, money mm. is not as valuable as yeah. something that is. Mm, right outside, yeah unfortunately um, so yeah unfortunately even though we want to change this fact it i mean for example all the moms that are doing homeschooling during covid oh, yeah i mean they've got their jobs probably and and it is mostly the moms who are doing it i know there are a lot of dads out there and shout out to them not shout out to them shout out to both of them it doesn't really matter right yeah. That's what I'm saying. When dads help, in quotation marks, what does help <laughs> actually mean? Yeah. They're their children as well, right? Exactly. So that mean, you yeah. can't say they help. They're doing that. The word help is wrong because yeah. it implies that they're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Whereas they are, right? Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, see, see what I'm saying? So, so the words matter. Language matters all the time. The way we express ourselves. So. Definitely. The unsaid things, but yeah, I, I can't kind of dived off again. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, don't apologize. Um, well, first off, I'm so sorry. I'll probably edit this out, but I'm so sorry about the audio that happened in the middle. I just wanted to make sure that um this episode like featured your voice properly and so sorry about that. Um no worries. But I mean I'll I'll like fix it. But second, um you I've said this multiple times and you always like like pa pass it off but it is a big deal like you have a very um analytical mind 
Um, and e- even during this episode, you were like, oh, no, sorry, I went on like a deep dive. But no, like, it's actually really important. And you're yeah, right. I, know, I, feel like sometimes I just like start rumbling about other things. And you asked me like something completely different. I was like, sorry, just like, keep on track. Hello. <laughs> it is on track. They all believe. <laughs> And, you know, like, how do you change these? Because we have had these discussions so many times. Like, how do you change the whole, like, oh, dad's help and, you know, all of that. We need to keep talking about it. Like, we need to raise awareness about it. And, you know, mm-hmm. you've got me thinking and, you know, that's, you know, that's that's what happens. But I'm um, third, not to be, like, too cliche, but, like, I just find it hilarious when, you you know, we grab on a call with, like, Adrian and Sabrina. You're like, oh, sorry, ladies. Like, I look really bad. And we're all like, what? are you talking about i've never seen you looking disheveled ever like you have like you are like truly like beautiful inside and out you've been too kind no no yeah i do think i think i mentioned this once in um regarding beauty and that just kind of came to mind Do do you remember when we had a casual conversation about beauty and then the first initial idea is that we should do something like this in introspectives yeah, yeah. Uh, love and then we started talking about eyebrows I don't know if you remember <laughs> yeah of course I do yeah. eyebrows and eyebrows they are like a thing honestly like eyebrows you could do a whole episode on eyebrows I could do it specifically because I am I am an eyebrow fetishist I think but um <laughs> I, honestly I love eyebrows I just, but I think on a more serious note, I think eyebrows. There, I think in I don't I can't speak for whole South, South South Asian community, but I mean for for my family and my surroundings, my um, it was always like girls do the eyebrows, mm. guys don't, right? And um, if guys do the eyebrows, it's too feminine right yeah and yeah 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 and if girls don't do the eyebrows it's not feminine enough it's really strange I think it's really odd I do my eyebrows like I thread them but and it's almost like a cultural thing that I, I do it all the time I feel like I'm always and I like it now right that's mm-hmm. the really strange thing and I think if <laughs> I don't do my eyebrows yeah. I'm gonna look you right <laughs> no you wouldn't I but know yeah. that's something, but that, that, it's like internalized, right? Yeah, internalized yeah. it. That if yeah. I don't do it, I'm not going to look good. I'm not going to look feminine enough. Oof. But what's feminine, right? So exactly. I, I mean, I mean, it's so complicated. It's just like I'm just trying to be critical with myself and trying to like <laughs> critique myself as well. But I always do my eyebrows. And I always fill them with eyebrow powder, whatever. And then everyone keeps saying, oh, Sarah, your eyebrows are And I was like, ah, oh, but um, I just, you know, I just thread them and I just fill them up and just trying to be humble about it. But uh, it is a bit of a complex that I have, honestly. I'm, I'm too much focused on eyebrows. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to stop staying, saying that word now. No, but they are, because I, I, I'm not going to get into this, but like I've, like living in like the the US like thin eyebrows were in so I plucked them off and they've only just grown back so when I first met you I was like wow your eyebrows are perfect (laughs) (laughs) no but that's the thing that there was a eyebrows are like a fashion statement honestly I think in the early 2000s I remember that the the, the thin eyebrows are really really in right Mm -hmm. and then recently everyone's is about brows and you yeah. should have like I don't know eyebrow tint, eyebrow, I don't know all the products, implants, whatever. 
yeah, I know. It's, and it's stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that's a bit like the the whole. I don't know if you know that that you probably know the whole Kim Kardashian problem with the bottom that oh, uh, that yeah. bottom like big bottoms are now like proper in, They're whereas in, like yeah. black people say like, excuse me, we had big bottoms for like ages, and now you come with your fake oh. bottom and tell us that big bottoms are in. She marketed. <laughs> so she we had big bottoms. They were not beautiful or what? Yeah. So I mean, I saw this whole report, but it was quite interesting. And that's the same thing with eyebrows. I think. Yeah. I mean. We've had eyebrows since ages, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. eyebrows. Like, yeah. like proper, I don't know, again, don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, again, we, I, I'm tracked of the question. I don't even, I can't even remember what you asked. <laughs> no, it, it's because like we have, A, this topic is so <laughs> like vast and B, like, you know, we have lots to talk about. Uh, I don't know. It all relates. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a problem, honestly, with eyebrows. Oh, I remember something mm. that that is very personal that I'm going to share is I wasn't allowed to pluck my eyebrows when really? I was young. Yeah. So my mom forbade it. Right. She said, no, you're too young. You can't do that. And I think I was 12 or 13. And I was like, oh, no, but I don't like my eyebrows because I had very thick eyebrows and like my um and like upper lip hair as well right mm. and of course because yeah. when I had like very dark hair right and no one in my school had dark hair and I was always like bullied because of my facial hair and I was like always so self-conscious about it mm. and that is like I, I I am I am so nervous about actually talking about this here right now, but um I just did it myself and then I my mom was so angry at me she was so mad at me she didn't speak to me for a whole week she was so mad at me it's like why did you do that it's like I don't even know why she forbade it but she did and um. Well, later on and after that, I always had my eyebrows made and she did it. She did them. So that was always like awful. I, I remember that time. I was just, I don't want to think about it because mom was so mad at me. <laughs> oh, well, to be honest, she's onto something because once, if you pluck wrong, you have to wait forever to grow back. I know. I know. And that's what I did because you know what I did? I did, I did them wrong. And then I was still bullied at school. So my, my mom was basically trying to tell me, my mom wasn't expressive enough. That's the problem with South Asian parents. If they would just sit down with you and talk to you, they don't. (laughs) Yeah. right they just assume that you can read their minds that's not what's happening children have no clue what the parents are on about oh no they don't like, yeah. I, that's what i'm saying but i that, we need to talk like mm. that's what i want to do with my child i want to sit down and talk i want to know what they're thinking and i want them to know what i'm thinking right mm. so if she just sat me down and said look it doesn't matter what other people say about you. You need to be confident about yourself. You don't need to pluck your eyebrows or you don't need to like remove. You can just tell them, well, that's how I am. Leave me alone. But she didn't do that. And I was always self-conscious. And then all those stupid kids that would come and bully me because of my 
like I, I think they keep telling me, oh, Sarish has a mustache. Oh. I think they said it in German. I know it was so mean. Oh. I can laugh about it now. It's the it worst. Horrible. It was so horrible. They used to really like bully me all the time. That was one of the many things they used to bully me about. But no, yeah. I, I got I got bullied too. Like that's actually we, we should do a separate topic I on how we got bullied. I know we should do that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. Um, but I, I know yeah. you honestly like you are juggling. I don't know how to articulate this because I really admire how like you know you have to take care of yourself and um you know you you have a new life that you're caring for and you have a lot on your plate. Um so time your time is really valuable. And so you just gave me like an hour. I know we were just like catching up a little bit, but I do really appreciate it. No, honestly, I have to tell you, I've been so stressed about today because as I said earlier, Gibran's sleeping pattern was all over the place. And whilst I was talking to you, I was texting with my husband. It's like, oh. And he's asking you, where, where is this pacifier? Where is this stuff? And, and I'm telling him, oh, you know, I'm in the middle of a recording. Can you please just do it for once? <laughs> and I don't know if they were able to do it, if he's sleeping, because I heard him crying a bit. So I, yeah, I, I was stressed about this. You can probably read it on my face, but the listeners are probably not able to see it. But um yeah, it is difficult. It, I, I, I have to, this is a big shout out to all the mums because I underestimated and I am so sorry about that. I underestimated their job. Honestly, I yeah. thought it's easy to have children and you can just keep doing the things you do, but it's not that easy. Mm. It's like you're caring for yourself and for another human being that is tiny but needs like 10,000 more things than you actually do yeah so this this life this small mini human is basically it's it's fully dependent on you if you mm. don't like that's how instinct like I mean I think I read something about like hormones of of, of women reacting to babies cry is much worse than right. men's hormones because apparently instinctively we are programmed to react i don't know i don't know i don't yeah, know yeah i think i read that but, too actually yeah yeah but this life the small little life is fully dependent on me and they would die if it wasn't for for us, like we need to take care of them, they can't take yeah. care of themselves. Basically, yeah. that's wild. So, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's 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 so normal that we don't say it, but it is true. It is hundred percent true. So on that notion, I yeah, think it uh, is amazing, yeah. but also yeah. scary. And um, maybe you should sneak away and do recordings like this more often, so that. Um, Sad gets more involved. Well, yeah, my, husband, my husband gets more active. I was lucky that yeah. he was off today. It is he's working from home these days, so yeah. it has become a bit more easier, and we've been yeah. doing things together more. But um, yeah, it is still me being the mm. person who knows where the stuff is, who knows what's to me, what needs to be done. And he, he picked up the stuff. <laughs> and he picked up the stuff on the stairs. 
Um, I wasn't sure if you wanted me to say his name on the pod, but then you did. So. I don't mind. No, it's fine. It's fine. Shout out to all the women. Who do Absolutely. All the Shout out to you. You're doing it. Because you shared a thing, a story yesterday on Instagram that said something like, um, just because we're, we're mothers, like, what, what was it? Like, we don't know. Yeah, it was know. about how women don't, uh, they're not born with the facility to look after children they learn it yes. with every with every cry basically they learn it so it is a hard job it is hard it's hard it's hard work it is unpaid work on top valuable unpaid being work. a mom basically means you get one day a year that is called Mother's Day, and you're still working on that day. So basically, it's it's no holiday, no sick day, basically. Twenty four seven job. <laughs> and we need to talk about this this more often. Yeah, we will, um, we will. But thank you yeah. so much for today. Oh, thank you for giving me your time, and we'll do like another catch up, catch we up will. soon. Definitely. 